Hey there, I'm Andrew Sheehan and welcome to the first episode of Recruiters Review. We're going to pick the minds of practitioners from some of this generation's fastest growing and successful businesses. Folks who have started building teams from the ground up. We'll expose frameworks and philosophies that can be applied back to growing your own teams and ultimately your business. Our aim is to help our listeners build better teams from HR, marketing and support to finance and technology. All of those components are vital to your company's growth, but eventually, if you're going to build out your business goals, you're going to have to build out another crucial business function, sales. So to kick off our series, I was looking to be joined by Wendy Harris from Cargroovers. Wendy's no stranger to sales, having worked as head of UKI mid-market sales at AdRoll, director of EMEA core enterprise sales at Dropbox, as well as a whole host of other big brands such as Facebook, Goldman Sachs and Davey before joining the Cargroovers team in Jan of this year. We'll explore the roles of sales teams and what's becoming a self-serve world. And now I think the sales has evolved over the years so that actually the role of field sales has, has changed and the role of inside sales has grown. And what the first focus area for new sales team members should be your team? I would say shadow the top performers. So find out, be a limpet to the top performers, hang out with them, figure out what it is they, they do, how do they structure their day, where do they spend their time, what are their calls like. One last piece of housekeeping, if you like what you're here and you want to hear future episodes, you can tune into us or download our podcast at SoundCloud. So, without further ado, let's hop into the studio where we're joined with Wendy Harris. Wendy, welcome to the show this morning. It's great to have you here. Thanks a million. Delighted to be here. So, at Recruiters, we're all big fans of Cargroves and all the work you guys are doing to scale your team here in Dublin. For any of our listeners who might not be as familiar with Cargroves, could you just give us a quick feel for Cargroves' mission as a company and the problem you're ultimately trying to solve? Sure. So we're on a mission to build the world's most trusted and transparent automotive marketplace. I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with TripAdvisor. So our CEO is the co-founder of TripAdvisor and he brought the same concept of trust and transparency to automotive shopping. So when you search for a car on our platform, we will ordinate the search results by the best deals, meaning we have the secret sauce called the IMV, and we basically rank every car against that, whether it's a great deal, a good deal, or a fair deal. And second to that, the second part of it is, we also let car shoppers do reviews of the car dealers. So we're essentially on a mission to show you the best deals from the top rated dealers. Great. And you've had a pretty interesting career to date and pretty diverse as well. I'd love to hear how you kind of got into sales and software and ultimately the leadership role you're currently in at Cargroves today. Yeah, I've got a very weird background, which is definitely not the average path to, to this sort of role. But basically, I did business on French in Trinity. And while I was there, um, the investment banks were all coming in to do the milk round, uh, which is essentially where they come and lure you with drinks and whatnot and, and, and show you what they have on offer. So I ended up doing a total of 32 interviews with Goldman Sachs starting in October of 2000 and finishing in March of 2001. I know. Um, I got offered the job and I joined a week after I finished college and I stayed there for 11 years. So I absolutely loved it. I was a trader and I worked in London and Chicago. So it was a, it was a pretty cool first job. But ultimately, I wanted to move home to Dublin and I wanted to change industry. I didn't want to work in finance in Dublin. I wanted to work in tech. My, my two brothers actually work in tech. One works for Facebook, one works for Google. And I saw that they loved their jobs and that industry was expanding. And so I made a very conscious decision to try to move into technology. So I did a digital marketing course and then I took a contract role at Facebook. 
Um, and and thereafter, I ended up moving to a company called Adril, which is one of Facebook's retargeting partners, to run their UKI uh, mid-market sales team. I spent a year and a half there before I moved to Dropbox, and I spent two and a half years at Dropbox um, running their European sales team from Dublin, which was a great experience. Uh, but ultimately, cargoers came knocking, and uh, and the opportunity was too good to pass up, so I joined cargoers in January of this year. Brilliant. I know that feeling of the milk round. I was also <laughs> subject to a milk round uh, there you go. after college with, uh, with an accounting firm, so interesting transition. You've, uh, you've touched on just the, the, the number of really interesting uh, companies um, here in Dublin, and I guess they all have unique ways of working. What have you learned from the way their sales teams uh, work, and how has this pushed your own sales thinking today, Chicago's? Yes, yeah, so I've I think that the one thing I've seen when I think about my time at Goldman, you know, Adrol, Dropbox here, the one sort of common thread throughout is that um there is we are better together. Me what do I mean by that? I mean that when a sales team has a will to win across the team and everyone wants each other to do well, then the ultimate results are are overall much higher because when the whole team has a will to win and people genuinely care about the person sitting next to them and it's not just a lone wolf environment, then you can be so much more successful and you can take it to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, talk to me a little bit about the state of the Cargo's team when you arrived here. Um, what were the struggles or, or any particular tensions of the existing teams that you had to kind of get over or to get across? So Cargers was set up in Dublin um, by a great colleague of mine, Henry Spitzer. He moved over here in June of 2016, sort of the first boots on the ground, and he essentially built the team from scratch. So uh, so tremendous kudos to him. Um, but what he did was he hired loads of sort of young, hungry people, some from the automotive industry, some from, um, from tech industry. And I joined then, as I said, in January of this year. So, so really the concept behind it was Henry was moving back to the States. Um, they, as with a lot of companies, what they like to do is they like to put someone on the ground who's, who is, has great sales acumen, great sales experience, is willing to go out and close the big deals. And Henry was that person. And then building upon what Henry built here, the, le- the idea of bringing me in was that, okay, we'll bring a level of, um, operational ex- uh, operational excellence and structure and sort of the inside sales methodology to this business which involves obviously KPIs and for planning and prospecting and pipeline build and all of these sort of mechanics of sales on the operational side um, so it's really building upon the great work that Henry did and taking the sales team to the next level mm, absolutely and it's it kind of sound sound like because Cargoes was already quite established in the states um, it's, it kind of sounded like Henry bringing it here or starting it here, even though it wasn't an established company, it was almost like starting a startup again. Completely. In a new country. And as we all know as well, Dublin is you know, very popular amongst um, startups as well. And we're seeing a huge growth in that space. Um, what would you say to those startups or those uh, US companies that are coming to Ireland to set up for the first time? Um, when's the best time to bring on a sales leader and, and why? So I think, well, I think the first thing about bringing your business to Dublin, which is, um, which I feel really passionate about is we have such an amazing tech community here 
and we have such incredible talent so there's a huge pool of talent here and I think we probably got Google from all those years back to thank for that Um, so thank you Google (laughs) Uh, but um, I think in terms of when you're trying to build bring in a a sort of a more senior sales leader it's when you're looking to take the business to the next level so the reality is that um, a team that is a startup team as you as you suggested it was which was what's coming in and greenfields which with nobody has ever sold to any of the dealerships and it's completely day one and the sort of experience they have versus the experience a team two years down the line has when you know all of the low-hanging fruit is gone and you have to bring in a lot more process and a lot more structure and a lot more for planning and so I think that's the moment when it's a tipping point between you know the low-hanging fruit and the landing some of the big and, and, and Henry deserves a ton of credit for this landing some of the big sort of um, marquee names in the dealership community and um, so when you land some of them others follow but ultimately I think it's bringing the next level of operational excellence to an inside sales team so um, so yeah I yeah I, I, I know what you mean about the, the low hanging fruit and I think you know there is a, there is a, a time I think in every company's life where you know that whole word of mouth um, only gets you so far before you do start to have to need structure and funnels and processes without getting too over processed exactly and, and a marketing team as well you know you need to scale your marketing team so your number of inbound leads increase yeah absolutely so how many people do you currently have on your team at Cargroves and how is it structured today or what's your thinking behind that so we have about uh, just over 40 people in Dublin and we have five um, dotted around the UK. So the four teams that roll up to me are the sales development team, the account exec team, the dealer relations team, which is essentially account management, and the CSS team, which is like our customer support, like our technical people. Um, and then we also have a marketing function in Dublin. We have HR, um, recruiting and IT, and they all roll up to people in Boston. So the thinking behind it is the SDRs are responsible for acquiring the inventory onto our site. So we're obviously a platform where we have multiple cars on our site and we need we have a free product and a paid product. So the SDRs are responsible for bringing on the cars um, and so for our free product essentially. Then the AEs are responsible for upgrading it and we have the AEs divided into things like market segments based on whether it's small dealerships or large dealerships. So we have emerging independents which are sub a certain number of cars, independent dealers, franchise dealers, and then national dealers are the bigger accounts. Mm -hmm. And then we have the account management team, which is structured similarly to the AE team, um, subject to the size of the accounts. And then we have the CSS team, which are frankly, they're um, they're our backbone of our business. And they are responsible for the technical support for the UK, but also for launching. We've launched in other new markets, so Germany, Italy, and Spain, and they're sort of the forefront of that. Okay, well, it sounds like it's a pretty well machine. It is, yeah, no, it's great. Um, what, in your opinion, is the role of sales in what's predominantly becoming a, a self-serve world? And in that, I mean, the ability for consumers to come across your product online um, and to sign up with potentially no sales intervention. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so the last two companies I worked for, Cargurus and Dropbox, both had a, a free product. And I think that's a great uh, channel, you know, this whole freemium idea of a freemium model. I think it makes it, in the world has obviously evolved. People do whatever there is, 70% of their purchase decision before they ever interact with someone. Uh, I think that the reality is as the product gets more complex or, um, you know, it's less B2C and more B2B, 
I do think you need a sales team. Now, I, and now I think the sales has evolved over the years so that actually the role of field sales has, has changed and the role of inside sales has grown. So what I would see now is more of a hybrid role whereby, for example, our inside sales teams here, they travel to the UK once a month. So they probably spend 10 or 15% of their time in the UK. Um, and the reality is that often when people are making a big purchase decision, they want and to know there's a person at the end of the line and they want to ask the questions that they might not, might not find the answers to online. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I do believe that there will always be a place for sales as a product gets more complex mm-hmm. because it's human nature to want the interaction. Yeah, yeah. So salespeople are, they've kind of moved away from those, those that perception of a hard sale into more of a sales and support kind of role. Exactly. Getting people, customers over the line and happy with the products once they're over that line. Exactly. And it's just like, it's sort of like a consultative sale. It's making people feel comfortable and objection handling and making feel, people feel comfortable to take that final step and sign on the line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So for some of our listeners who may not be hiring managers, but looking to develop their own sales careers as sales professionals, uh, what do you believe the first step or focus area for a new person in a sales team should be at a new company? I would say shadow the top performers. So find out, be a limpet to the top performers, hang out with them, figure out what it is they, they do, how do they structure their day, where do they spend their time, what are their calls like? And it's the case of, you know, there's normally more than one top performer. So I would um, suggest they spend time with a few different styles and then adapt what they learn to their own style. They don't need to mimic the top person because everyone's individual and unique, but they should learn from them and see what the best are doing. Um, and that is the quickest way to ramp. So people too often try and get stuck in straight away without actually learning the trade from the people who are best at it. Mm, yeah, that's no, really great advice. So what are, uh, well, let's just take a step back and Drawing on some of your own experience at um, the various companies to date, uh, Facebook and Dropbox and AdRoll, uh, what does or should a sales culture really look like? So for me, when I think of what a winning sales culture is, I really believe in recognition. All of the best sales reps like recognition. And so what we do here at Cargurus, for example, is we have a gong. So when a deal closes, they hit the gong and they say what the size of the deal is and the story behind it. Uh, we also have a we have a leaderboard so everyone can see how everyone is doing. Um, we have this um, uh, essentially a thing called best of the best, whereby it is the top performers from every month. Uh, get brought out to a nice dinner they get to they sort of get priority for any external events and um, and there's also a wall of fame for for them being the most successful people that month and so I think it is very much celebrating your top performers and and individual achievement and also the achievement of the team as a whole because as I said before they're all better together but that said it's also really important the flip side is to address any underperformance because when underperformance isn't addressed that can breed toxicity on a team because people feel, well, if I'm working this hard and someone else isn't, that's not fair. And so I think it is a, it is a balance of really recognizing and rewarding your top people and also managing underperformers. Yeah, I just met her just mentioned there around just the, the story behind the sale. It's a really interesting thing because it's not always you know the destination, but it's, it's the journey of getting there and how other people on the sales team can learn from that journey. Exactly. Exactly, and they do learn from it yeah. because you know if someone experiences one thing and they share their story, then the next time someone's on the phone, they're like, "Oh, I've heard this before. I know how to handle it." Yeah, so it's like an imaginary playbook. Yep, exactly. 
I need to have a go at like gong before I leave. Yes, it's great. <laughs> I listen out for my office is close enough to that I can hear it. And so I, they, they laugh. They said it's like a genie rubbing a, the bottle because I appear at the door every time the gong is, is rung. So, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, hopefully it gets to a point where it's really annoying you. But that's a good exactly. problem to have. Yeah, that's a, um, that's a high class problem. So just kind of going into the around the processes and, you know, obviously uh, from recruiters, you know, we're really interested in hearing about how you go about looking for talent and you know what you look for. What are some of the more intangible things you look for in top sales guys, other than just the brass numbers and results to date? Yeah, so I think if I can be um, as bold as to quote Warren Buffett on this, I uh, he had a quote, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, when I'm hiring, I look for energy, intelligence, and integrity. And if they don't have the last, don't worry about the first two. So I think all three of those traits are really important. Um, I would also say resilience in salespeople. There's a whole lot of no's. It's a really hard job and you have to be able to bounce back. So bounce back ability. Um, And I think it's there's also for me, it's really important that people want to continue to develop themselves. So a level of curiosity uh, what do they do to try and continuously improve themselves? So do they read? Do they listen to podcasts? Like, so, and it's things that you know to show that they're not stuck in the one place. They're always trying to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the final thing I would say as well is organization. The best sales reps are often highly organized, especially with inside sales because it's a discipline and and they need to have structure to their day. So definitely organization. Brilliant, brilliant. Really good advice there again. Thanks, Wendy. So this is our first show and. We just uh, wanted to again thank you, but um, we hoped uh, as part of this uh, podcast series that we'd ask our guests a couple of uh, quick fire uh, round of questions uh, to add maybe a little bit of fun, but also a little bit of insight as well. So uh, you're for the challenge? Perfect. Go for it. Okay. Uh, first quick fire. Favorite underused growth or sales tactic? Referrals. So if you've got a good product and you believe in it, then those people that use your product should refer you to other people and I think if you incentivize them to do so for example at Cargers we offer a John Lewis voucher for anyone who refers another dealership to us I think it's um, it's a huge source of it can be a huge source of traffic and income right so going, kind of going back to that low hanging fruit as yeah well. yeah great uh, second question one book that's really influenced your thinking and why so this isn't necessarily sales specific, but I think it's valid whether you're a manager or an individual contributor. It's called Radical Candor and it's by Kim Scott. And my old box, boss at Dropbox sort of gave this to me and said, you could have written this, which is a great compliment. But the concept of it is, is that you need to care personally about someone, but challenge directly. So it comes back to this whole idea of trust and transparency, that you need to be direct with people and therefore you build trust in your relationship. And I think when you're a salesperson being straight with the client, um, that's absolutely valid as well. So the concept of radical candor uh, is is a good sort of lesson for life. Mm, and also trust and an element of respect there as well for each other. Exactly, exactly. That's great. Uh, favorite recent sales pitch that somebody has made on you so I don't know if it's classified as a sales pitch necessarily but it was an email I got and the email the headline startled me it was an email which said 
referenced our CEO, uh, Langley Steinert, on your earnings call, and I was like, whoa! Oh, <laughs> and I was like, what is this? And I opened it, and it was about um, it was a it was someone who'd really done their research, had listened to the Cargers earnings call, referenced our CEO, and tried to tie that back to the product, which is a forecasting tool. And I thought it was very clever, and I was definitely going to make sure that we followed up with him because of that, because it was very tailored email. Great, well done, fair play to him or her. Yeah, in that case, <laughs> well, there's lots of great errors, but yeah, <laughs> there is. Um, one common mistake you see salespeople, uh, you know, or sales teams uh, make. Uh, forward planning. If you ask anyone in my sales team, they'll say I'm obsessed with the concept of pipeline build and pipeline coverage and forward planning. It's very easy when you're in the month and you're chasing your number to just get totally obsessed with that and not think about the next month is whatever it is three days away. Um, so the concept of constantly filling the top of the funnel, building pipeline, knowing that, you know, you have other months or other quarters ahead that you have to prepare for. Mm, yeah. And I suppose that's where the relationship between sales and marketing really kind of come into play. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. Fifth and last uh, quick fire. Uh, what's your best tip for a salesperson uh, coming to interview here at Cargroups? I would say know your numbers. I think all of the best sales rep know all of the best sales reps know their numbers and it's a huge red flag for me when they don't okay and what does that look like what's the what's the number what so is the things like like if depending if they have monthly or quarterly targets what percentage achievement to target did you get the last three months and it's not like oh i kind of was above 100 percent. well what specifically you know were you 121 percent? were you 101 percent on each month so you should know all of the best sales reps know where they landed and they know if they missed and what they learned from if they missed their number what they learned from it Wendy, it's been great to have you on our first show, Recruiters Review. Um, where can people go to find out a little bit more about all the great things Cargurus are doing here in Dublin and across the world? Yeah, so cargurus.com or cargurus.co.uk. And we have a career site. Really encourage people to have a look at it. We're, we're growing in Dublin. We've got lots of open roles right now. And um, very excited to meet some of the, the top talent out there. Wendy, thanks for joining us today. Great, thanks a million.